Joe, Joe, we're back. Guess who's back? <laughs> we're back. Back again. I'm sorry that it's been a long time. We used to be men. I mean, I'm I'm currently not in a car with Joe to be able to do this shit anymore. Richard can't go in cars anymore because the the uh, gender reassignment. His boobs are too big; he cannot fit in a vehicle. Yeah, the gear stick goes up in places, <laughs> does things to me. I ejaculate, and then it's the whole thing that me and Dunk just talked about. Like, do you clean up there? Do you wait till you're home to clear? Up? Anyway, no one gives a <laughs> shit about this. Um, so we're back with a mystery, and this is a fucking good mystery, I think, Joe. You think? I. This is why I've been. We've been gone for so long. You just, so that uh, I could find a good mystery. Find one good enough for the people. I was like, Joe's been disappointed in mysteries for a while. I need to, I need to take some time out, take some medication, yeah. get my health better, find a good podcast, find a good murder mystery for Joe. That's right. There's one thing I've always said is bring... We need more murder in this world. There's just not enough murder. It's not about quantity, it's about quality. Yeah, how quality your murders are. So uh, we're doing it slightly differently. Um, I'm too fucking exhausted to fucking read like i usually do richard has lost the ability to read that's the truth <laughs> i mean i kind of have i kind of have at least talk for long periods of time without breathing um so uh thanks to the fantastic fingers that the internet i fucking come up with a smart idea again the fucking computer to read the fucking story in chapters and then me and joe are gonna respond question yeah why am i not reading it um I don't know. I mean, you could read it. I don't think I should. I don't think you should either. I can't quite put my finger on why not, but it just won't work. It it won't work. I think when I read out loud, it just doesn't work. I'm trying to think if we do it by big chapters or if Joe's going to need to interrupt earlier. Cause I, you know I will do. Of course. <laughs> and the problem with interrupt. this with this pretend fake He's man who will be... Talk. Pre- he, he won't uh, okay. listen to my interruptions. Okay, okay, that's... Okay, but I'm... you press the pause button or do whatever it is you do. And, I'm taking this on board. Or I will, I will do my best to, like, hold my shit until he... Yeah. You know, he's, he stops ten talking. Hold, hold your shit. Shout out to Balloony. <coughs> Balloony. Mr. Balloon Hands. You, you reminded us that we do a podcast. <laughs> and it's been a while. Yeah. Right. Let's fucking do this. This is a good. Uh, this is a fucking good mystery. So Gooden, a little after midnight on a the Gooden gives me a wooden. Nineteen seventy-eight. Right, a I'm teenager listening. named Brian Crane was driving to his home in Speedway, Indiana, when he decided to stop by his workplace to visit his co-workers. He worked at the Speedway Burger Chef, and knowing the restaurant closed at eleven p.m., he wanted to pop in and see if his friends needed help closing the shop. Who when does he that? Got there, he found the restaurant empty, but it wasn't closed. The four employees scheduled to work that night, 20-year-old Jane Freed, 16-year-old Daniel Davis, 16-year-old Mark Flemons, and 17-year-old Ruth Shelton were all absent. A but the door was left open and the lights were still on. Right, stop there. So they were absent, he said. <laughs> yeah, they were all absent. What, what so all the employees are gone. And he said the year was 78. So he, this is like a friend who went to help close it up. That's why I'm saying that's out of this. That's outrageous. Who would do that? I'm going to look. This might be back in the past when people were friendly. <laughs> yeah, 1978. That makes sense. People like had nothing better to do. And there was no internet. There was no Twitter. There was no online porn. And that's why he went back. They had nothing better to do. Sorry, just that's one mystery solved. Next. So he's going to the Burger Chef. It's called the Burger Chef. The Burger Chef. Which sounds delicious. It does make me want um, burger. And he knows that the restaurant closes at 11pm. He's gone there to go help everyone. It's not quite 11pm yet. 
uh, and the four employees who were scheduled to be on there, they're not there. So the lights are on, mm. the doors open, no one's there. To me, that's not a mystery. That's, that's, that's what happens. You hire a bunch of kids to run a thing, they're gonna, they might fuck off. I did think they were very young. Yeah. As I said, it's like a sweatshop. Okay, let's do the next bit. I quite, do you know what's good about this guy? He mm. knows how to say words, unlike me. <laughs> So like he could. That's the beauty talk. of the podcast, though. We should give him a name. Your alliteration. What should we give him a name? Well, he needs a name. Um, this fake man that releads the podcast. Alan the AI. All right, Alan <laughs> AI. Dizzy, can you stop? Alan co- I. Dizzy, stop coughing up on the podcast. Dizzy dog. All right, okay, I'm ready. After calling around in search of the assistant manager Jane, Brian called the Speedway Police, who quickly decided it was a case of petty embezzlement. A bunch of irresponsible teenagers walked off the job and went out for a night on the town. That is just what you said. Uh, wait a minute. You? This, this kid, like, there's no one here. I know. I'll call the police. Yeah, he's worried. That's weird. Why? I don't know. If I showed up at where I work and there was no one there, I would think it's strange, very bizarre... Some, it's it's okay. incredibly strange, but cool. Please. Let me put it into context for you. Uh, you turn up to Frankie and Benny's back in the day when we were. <laughs> yeah. I'm meant to be on shift. Seidel's yeah. meant to be on shift. And I don't know, fucking Eddie's meant to be on shift. And you turn up and all three of us are missing. The yeah. chefs are gone. No one's in a fucking yeah. place. Yeah. It's not locked up. It's nothing. Yeah. What are you thinking now? I would never go late to help close up, first of all. You were, co- you were coming to meet me to then go hang out and get some KFC afterwards. Let's make all it right, then obviously, uh, this time we had mobile phones and I would have called you, but let's pretend I don't, we don't have that. Yeah, right? we don't have that. We don't have to pretend. Um, yeah, I think it's very strange, but I don't think I would be calling the police. Okay. Because when I call the police, they'll say, what's the problem? What service? Uh, 999, what's your emergency? Um, uh, what service do you need? Um, I need... Uh, I'm not really sure what I need, to be honest. Because uh, <laughs> there's missing people. How long have they been missing for? I don't know. I just got here. <laughs> you know what I mean? How does that phone conversation go? Okay, I imagine he searched, like, the building. Yeah, he probably did. He probably did. <laughs> he checked the freezer, make sure... He's like, they're having the most intense game of hide-and-seek ever. <laughs> <laughs> okay, next bit. When none of the four teenagers showed up at home or their next Burger Chef shifts, the families became extremely concerned. Jane Freed's Chevy Vega was located in the middle of town the next morning, and the severity of the situation became clear. The police kicked into gear and launched a search for four missing persons. How are you feeling now? They went to Vegas, they parted <laughs> it up, they got some hookers and blow. They found one of the person's cars, like, yeah. in the middle of, like, nowhere, in the middle of, like, a forest or something. Yeah, I thought you said in the middle of town. Uh, it's fucking making me read. Uh, located in the middle of town, okay, yeah, 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 the middle yeah, of town. Yeah, um... But was it there before? Was it not there before? It's the, it's the 70s. No one knows that that car was there before. They were no CCTV. It could have always been there. They could have all got in someone else's car. I know I'm logicking the shit out of this, but what I'd like is that they said the police uh, <laughs> got in. Yeah. They get like, oh, maybe we should take this serious. Yeah, may- maybe we should fucking look for these missing kids. We've got nothing else going on. I mean, the fact that the kids didn't turn up at home. Yeah, that is, that's time for the police. Let alone the next burger shift. Yeah. Um, it would question... <laughs> Imagine that the, the kids haven't come home, but did they show up for their next yeah. burger? <laughs> that's have they turned up for work? That's some serious uh, priority confusion there. That is both of our dads. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't come home, but I would like to think he at least went to work. Yeah. On Sunday, November nineteen, 
1978, two days after Brian Crane entered the abandoned Speedway Burger Chef restaurant, police received a devastating call. 20 miles south of Speedway, in Johnson County, four bodies had been discovered in a rural field, shot, stabbed, and bludgeoned to death. They were all clad in orange and brown Burger Chef uniforms. This is the story of the Burger Chef murders. I know who did it. Okay, who? The guy who allegedly went to close up at 11 o'clock. The friend? Yeah. You're straight away you're going for the friend? Yeah. In the Burger Chef murders? Yeah. Can I say how much I love that this is called the Burger Chef murders? Burger Chef murders. That's such a cool name. That sounds like uh, <laughs> a really successful restaurant. This, sh- this burg- These burgers murder your Oh my hu- God. Well, that is a franchise we should start. That's what I'm saying. That's a great, uh, it's a great tag. Like, you know, you, you tag it like, Burger Chef murders your hunger. People fucking love murder mysteries as well, and you can fucking go in there. And okay. there's just like fucking murder like document podcasts and documentaries on the screen and shit. Just like oh, the Hard right, Rock right, Cafe, right. but oh. it's all about murder. So you're saying the theme is murder in Yeah, man. Ah, that's kind of cool. And all the burgers are named after famous murder cases. Hey, this podcast is recorded, so this is written ev- This is evidence, <laughs> verbal evidence, that we came up with that idea first before someone fucking takes it and runs it. So you would have... One <coughs> burger could be called the Pistorius Pulled Pork. Sure. Because he shot his girlfriend in the toilet. Yeah, sure. Um, the other one could be called... Um, uh, the Manson Manwich. I like it. I like it. <laughs> so shit like that, you know what I mean? I like but it. We should open this shit. Not really. Running a restaurant is a full-time job that is... Uh, Who's the one that ate people? What, Jeffrey Dahmer? Yeah. What did you do his? Oh, that's a good one. The... Dharma Dorito. No? Doritos. The Dharma Doritos. Yeah, you can't really make Doritos. No, well, this is a burger place, man. Okay, sorry. You could call it the... <laughs> the... The Jeffrey Jerk Chicken. Nah, it doesn't really go either. We need to think on this, people. We're going to think of some really good <laughs> murder burgers. The Dharma Dirty Human Burger. <laughs> oh, actually, you're getting more into it now. Right, right. The Dharma Cannibal... Special. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> it's the special of the day. And what they do is the burger is shaped like a human body. <laughs> <laughs> okay, right. Next bit, okay. Uh, Alan, 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 come on. The first question you might have is, what the heck is a burger chef? Burger chef used to rival McDonald's and Wendy's in the United States. Until everyone was, it was killed. was a massive yeah. fast food chain that had over 600 so it was McDonald's who did nationwide. It. But in the late 1980s, Hardee's purchased the chain. The last Burger Chef location closed in the 1990s. Okay, didn't know that. that See, now I'm starting to think the culprit is McDonald's. <laughs> I've ne- I never <laughs> ever heard. I think it's Burger King. <laughs> no, they said they rivaled like Burg- McDonald's and Wendy's, right? Yeah, man. When did Burger King happen? Anyway. If Burger King never really Speedway, Indiana, it's probably because you're familiar with the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. Of course Home of the oh, Indy yeah. 500 race. Most people don't even know Speedway is a town. Incorporated in the 1920s, Speedway was built to support the automotive industry. It is hardly distinguishable from Indianapolis. Speedway is located just west of the downtown area and is surrounded by Indianapolis suburbs. In 1980, their population was just over 12,000 people. They have their own police force. 
post office and public school system. Hey, they got a police force at I, least. I, I'm really sorry, Alan AI, but I don't <laughs> give a fuck. Move on to the good shit. <laughs> okay. You're telling me about, oh, they used to do this. Oh, it's a quaint little town. Fuck off. Give me the, tell me the juice. Okay, okay, okay. Let's, let's see if Alan, hold on. We'll find out. Alan, what Before you got? Before 1978, Speedway was considered a peaceful place to live. But a string of violent crimes put the town in the national spotlight. Woo! On the 29th of July, 1978, a 65-year-old woman named Julia Siffers was shot to death inside her garage. Ooh. The homicide shocked residents because it seemed so random, and murder was incredibly uncommon in the town. Mm, okay. One thing Alan AI is lacking is <laughs> a, a bit of a drama and a... You know, that human inflection to his voice, like, it was a quiet town until one day some bitch was shot. Hold on, hold on. Give Alan a chance. He could do that. Then, between the 1st of <laughs> September and the 6th of September, a series of eight bombings occurred. Fuck it out. The were placed in trash cans beneath a police patrol <sighs> car that the in the town stuff? bowling alley. And finally, in a gym bag in the parking lot of Speedway High School. That's mad. The bombings only injured two people. Oh. But the injuries were devastating. The final bombing blew off the leg of a Vietnam veteran and severed an artery in the leg of his wife. Shit. By November, these crimes were still unsolved, <laughs> and public confidence in the police was low. Not surprised. Then, Burger Chef happened. Then Burger Chef happened. <laughs> well, that's the thing. He's a Vietnam vet. Man went to war. I know. A place where you basically go to die. <laughs> yep. Came back all right. Comes home, back to the good old US of A. Leg blown off. I li- Domestic terrorism. Literally, I th- I'm, pr- I'm not definitely sure, but I'm pretty sure my great-granddad, Thomas Kennedy, had his leg bl- blown off in the war. Or my... I thought you were going to say by some cunt with a car bomb. Or my granddad's brother. I think it might be my granddad's brother, Thomas Kennedy, had his fucking leg blown, blown off in the war. Fucking imagine you survived that shit, only to come home years later to have your leg fucking blown off. So he could have had his other leg blown off. Fucking hell. <laughs> Madness. All right, so now we're on to the burger come on, shit. Come on, you got? What you got? What you got? Let's, uh, let's, let's try, let's, let's, let's give him a big speaking role. The night of November 17th was a Friday, and people were gearing up for the weekend. Of course they were. After servicing the last late-night customers with a craving for char-broiled burgers, four part-time employees at the Speedway part-time. Burger Chef closed down the Lady restaurant comes. at 11 p.m. Jane Freed, the assistant manager, was 20 years old and a college student in November 1978. Her list of extracurriculars was long and distinguished. Okay. Yearbook staff, choir, drama, library assistant, and the list goes on. Her nickname was Sweet Jane. People remembered her because of her beaming smile and positive disposition. She'd been working for the Burger Chef Company since she was 17 years old. Okay. All right, as remember... Jane sounds nice. Yeah, she sounds lovely. Go on, did you... Did you... I feel you wanted to add to that. Oh, Richard would have cut this guff out. He'd have gone, yeah, yeah, she was a nice bitch. Moving on. No, I probably would have. I like a background of a story. I think it's important to know. It's me and my impatience. It's important to know the victims. This podcast is not for me. It's for the listeners. Daniel Davis, a 16-year-old high school junior, recently joined the Friday night closing shift after another employee quit a week prior. He brought jokes and laughter to the team. In his spare time... Daniel explored photography, taking pictures <laughs> and developing film in his own homemade darkroom in his spare time. Okay. <laughs> darkroom, that's what I call my masturbation. <laughs> <laughs> Photo- photography. Dark. See, even Alan's as bad as I am yeah. at saying words. He couldn't pronounce Junior either, so... Hey, he's got more oxygen in his lungs. Let's go, Alan. On the Burger Chef Grill was Mark Flemons. Oh, on the grill? A 16-year-old sophomore at Speedway High School. 
Reared as a Jehovah's Witness, uh -oh. Mark had six older siblings and was described as a friendly kid. His parents allowed him to get a job at the Speedway Burger Chef because it was within walking distance of their home. Oh, well, one day to be... To be he was a 16-year-old boy. He was described as alive at the time. <laughs> what I enjoyed was that he was reared as a Jehovah's Witness. Until he said, fuck this shit. <laughs> um, okay, so, I mean, these kids are young, apart from the 20-year-old who's... They're all young, man. You know, this young. It's... To be opening Last and closing but not least, yeah. Last but Ruth not least. Ellen Shelton rounded out Ruth. the Burger Chef staff on that chilly November night. On, she was a golden child to her old. parents. Intelligent and driven. Bonner student Ruth aspired to be a computer scientist one day. In addition to participating in several youth ministries at the Westside Church of the Nazarene, Ruth studied music at what is now the University of Indianapolis to earn early college credits. Okay, All so right. we've got their background. Oh, nice. American apple pie, God fearing children. Yeah, these are like genuine, like God, uh, American proud, whatever, blah 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 people. Model for kids, kids yeah. full of promise, passion, Alan says and potential. <laughs> went about their nightly closing duties, closing the registers, counting cash, scrubbing the cookware, the and part. cleaning the floors. Oh, yeah. But sometime before midnight, something went terribly wrong. What the fuck? Something... Someone came in and said, "Hey." You guys want to buy some drugs? What the fuck? What went wrong, Joe? What went? What do you think went wrong? What went wrong? Yeah, let's go. What do you think? The friend came to close up and killed them all. I think an uh, angry customer <laughs> came back yeah. with a fucking shotgun and was like, That barrel was overcooked! Bang, bang, bang. And took them they were found dead in the field. Okay. That barrel yeah, was overcooked! I'm going to give you a chance to redo it by... Was, I've set up a barbecue. Get in my van. I said, get in my van. I set up a mini barbecue in the, in the van. In the van. Yeah, in the van. Don't worry about ventilation. Here's it's your chance. There. Here's your chance to redeem that burger. Um, I, so, so, yeah, sorry. By the time Brian arrived shortly after 12 a.m., he found fine. the back door ajar and the restaurant deserted. The safe <laughs> in the office was wide open and empty. Cleared of $581 cash and other valuables. Purses belonging to Jane and Ruth were still in the office. Over $100 in register change sat untouched. If this was a robbery, the perpetrators did a poor job getting all of the loot. Jane's 1974 Chevrolet Vega was also gone from the parking lot. Pause, Joe. Yeah, it's the friend. Because <laughs> if it was those four who decided to just cut out, break out and do some cool shit, they would have taken their personal possessions with them. Okay. I, I do feel like when Alan was reading off all the names of the people, how old they are, what they were like, it's like, it's like the intro to Ocean's Eleven, like these ragtag bunch of teenagers, but without the suspense in his voice. So Joe fully thinks it's Brian. Oh, yeah, yeah, I do. Fucking Brian. Assuming he simply didn't have the full story, Brian called around to see if he could track down Jane, who was the assistant manager in charge of the shift. He called another Burger Chef restaurant on the other side of town where Jane had previously worked, but the manager there hadn't heard from her either. Finally, as worry, fear, and doubt crept into Brian's mind, he called the head manager of the Speedway Burger Chef and told him what he'd walked into. That manager told Brian to call the police, which he promptly did. So that's why he called the police. He was told to by the big boss. <laughs> yep, big boss. Yeah, it's probably a smart decision. I was making fun of him before, but it was the right decision to make. But you still think it's Brian? Yeah. Because we kind of have no proof that he isn't Brian at the moment, right? Yeah, I mean, he claims he's turned up there and everything was cool. 
Um, not cool, sorry. Everyone's gone, but everyone looked everything <coughs> looked normal. No signs of a break-in, no signs of a struggle. Who would these people go with with no effort to struggle? Someone they trusted and knew. Okay. Someone like The Brian. Speedway police were less concerned by what they found inside the restaurant that night. Sure. It was odd that the back door was open. This is a joke. And that Ruth and Jane had left their purses behind. <coughs> But the responding officers choked it up to teenage carelessness. They assumed the four kids had taken the cash from the restaurant and gone out partying. <laughs> They'd turn up soon enough. Police told friends and families of the victims. Once the cash ran out and the hangovers wore off. This, that's, quite, it's, that's quite funny, by the way. I'd considered that as a viable story, <laughs> but... Again... These girls who left their shit... I don't think they would have left their shit. Yeah. They sounded like they were fucking role model kids, didn't yeah. they? Yeah. Um, so that tells me someone knew the how to get into the safe. Yep. Brian. Yep. Someone knew the people well enough to go in there, not raise any suspicions <laughs> where they did anything to, you know, look out of place. The restaurant looked like, from what he's claiming, it, every, it, every, the scene was normal other than the people missing. Okay. It's Brian. Okay. 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 I'm trying for Brian. This assessment didn't jive with what the manager <laughs> knew about these four employees. <laughs> but since the police seemed to have the case, yeah, that's why I said it. Don't Burger chef match needed up. to get on with business. The next morning, bringing <laughs> the, the next kids came into the restaurant and scrubbed the place from top to bottom. Not a single scrap of evidence had been collected. Who cleaned it? The next lot of employees. Because ah. business needed to be open. Right, I see. They said, bring in the next lot of teenagers, run and my business. Obviously, because they thought like it didn't matter, they mm -hmm. kind of just, yeah, they, I guess they didn't care. Because mm -hmm. they were just like, it's just teenagers, they've just fucked off. Mm -hmm. The crime scene was cleaned and sanitised without any photographic evidence to speak on. It was a terrible mistake that would plague the investigation and haunt the Speedway police for the next four decades. Years later, Marion County Detective Virgil Vandergrift told Indianapolis Monthly, they didn't process it as a murder. They didn't know it was a murder. Police didn't have a clue what was going on at the restaurant. They kind of messed up the crime scene. Yeah. So when the police turn up, there was evidence. Like, did you, you know, there was, there was stuff there. Potentially there. they could have found evidence. Yeah, that is what they're they saying. Are. I'm sorry, I've got fucking Dizzy's hair in my mouth right now. It's okay, you, 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 you stop kissing my dog uh -huh. and get rid of that, that hair. This is what Joe does in between, by the way, guys. I'm ready, Alan. He likes to make love to dogs. Oh, fuck no. Indeed, they didn't know they had a murder on their hands. Indeed. They were still blissfully content with believing the four employees had run off with the restaurant cash and were on a joyride. Shit. Until Jane Freed's car was located early in the morning on November 18th. Joe's not Jane drove a 1974 white Chevy Vega, a small, sporty two-door sedan. Police found the car unlocked and abandoned in the middle of town. At that point, it became clear to everyone from the families to the police that these four people had been abducted and were missing. Police launched a search. No ransom calls came in, so all the families could do was wait, and they didn't have to wait long. I don't drive. They don't drive. What are you they thinking? Don't drive. What are you thinking? I still think it's Brian. I think he <laughs> went there, he got them into this girl's car, drove to every drove, the 20 miles place. Killed them, left them there, drove her car back to town, walked back to the burger restaurant to get his own car, if he even took the car there, and then made phone calls. Okay. On the morning of Sunday, November 19th, police received a call from a rural area in Johnson County, about 20 miles south of Speedway. 
Two people walking around their property had discovered dead bodies lying face down in the leaves and the dirt. When investigators arrived, their worst fears were confirmed. Ruth Shelton and Daniel Davis were side by side, brutally executed via several .38 caliber gunshot wounds to their heads. A few yards away, the body of Jane Freak was found with a broken blade from a 5-inch hunting knife protruding from her sternum. Down the hill, Mark Flemons lay dead from a severe beating with a chain-like instrument. Fuck. He had asphyxiated on his own blood and bile. Christ almighty. Jesus. Uh, Alan. Brian's a fucking <laughs> violent son of a bitch. <laughs> so, so it's quite a violent death. Yeah, it's fucking... Do you horrific. think it's one person? So the question. Because I think it's, I think it's more people. than one person. Yeah. For four people, I think it's more than one person. Right, That's maybe. why I don't think it's Brian. Maybe you're right. So what, so some lunatics went there for some fun, got them all into a vehicle and off they went. Uh, when was this? 1978. Cults. Like, like the Manson cult, those type yeah. of cults. There was Make a lot of cults, wasn't there? Maybe a bomb dog. And they would do some crazy shit. And obviously a lot of people were doing a lot of drugs in the 70s. Um, I'm told. And it was just kind of like, yeah, how you think you got here? Exactly. Police handling of this crime scene wasn't much better than at the Burger Chef restaurant. Uh As As word of the horrific murders spread, the investigative team grew. (laughs) In a 2019 book titled The Burger Chef Murders in Indiana by Julie Young, she wrote, as various departments converged on the site, some drove through areas that should have been sealed off. There were rumors that one of the bodies was moved before the coroner or evidence technician arrived at the scene. I think this is a big mystery, Joe. Yeah, maybe I'm wrong about Brian. I think it's a big mystery. I don't know. Uh, and what's going to really frustrate me is by any of it, I'm sure we'll be none the wiser. We, we might not be. We might We might be. We might not be. Who fucking what I knows? I know is that one thing I'm taking from this is I'm going to start using that phrase. I mean, Dizzy's pissed about it. That shit don't drive. That shit don't drive. Allegedly, one of the investigative officers even took a piece of identification found on a body home with him and didn't realize it until several weeks later. Despite the mistakes, the police (laughs) didn't lack manpower when it came to the investigation. Within days, the Indiana State Police, the Marion County Sheriff's Department, the Indianapolis Police, and the FBI swooped into aid Speedway Police. The problem was the integrity of the crime scene was compromised entirely, and the first 48 hours of the investigation were long gone. Okay, so police fucked up. Yeah, I mean, it's this in keeping with the theme of the podcast, yeah. always incompetence in terms of the authorities. I mean, thank God, otherwise we'd have no mysteries. Uh, this is true, this is true. Yeah. Okay, hold on, Alan's got more to with say. With little to go on. Come on, Alan. Police assumed the murders had resulted from a robbery gone wrong. Mark Flemons hadn't actually been scheduled to work the Friday night closing shift. He was covering for another employee. Police wondered if maybe Flemons had recognized the robbers. And as a result, the perpetrators killed all of them to eliminate any witnesses. Thoughts on that? Well, maybe the guy Mark was covering teamed up with Brian. Okay. Um, the fact that he wasn't (coughs) scheduled to work means nothing to me. Yeah. I mean... Tell me more, Alan. Yeah, yeah. I kind of... I don't... There's not enough really to go with that. That kind of feels like, where the fuck is that theory it, come it, from? They're grasping your straws. They're like, this, this. then there's this, but then there is this. Yeah. The victims were all still fully clothed in their brown and orange burger chef uniforms. So they uniforms. weren't raped, is that what you A few of them even had so. cash in their pockets and the personal effects yeah, like yeah, jewellery yeah. and watches still, still on have. their persons. So, okay, even so. though robbery was the motive police wanted to reach for, because of all of the valuables left behind. 
It was not the easiest conclusion to justify. True. It's also hard to reconcile <laughs> the fact that all of this carnage took place for a measly $581. But people have been murdered for much less. Other than two teenage witnesses who claimed to see two men around the burger chef the night of the abduction, investigators had zero evidence in the case. So all they had was two, they'd seen two men around the burger chef. I mean, no way is robbery the motive for this. No. If you want to rob some people, you don't take them 20 miles away and then brutalise them. You just kill them. Yeah. You just shoot them all. You don't chain them. But they still them. took $581. Yeah, I mean, you kill some people, you're going to take the money. You might have some legal fees to worry about in the future. Yeah, that's that was all that always that joke that Norm Macdonald made. If OJ knew is, you know, next time we'd have robbed his victims after killing them because of all the legal fees he had to pay. <laughs> okay. On Saturday, November eighteen, a sixteen-year-old male called Speedway Police and told them he had seen two men lurking about the Burger Chef restaurant shortly before closing time the night before. Two men. According to the boy, the men who were both white and in their 30s, approached him and his girlfriend as they were sitting in the parking lot of the Dunkin' Donuts next door to the burger chef. They told them to get out of there because, quote, there had been lots of vandalism going on. One of the men had a beard, and the other was blonde and clean-shaven. The bearded man did the talking, and he kept a handkerchief over his mouth while he spoke. Based on the composite sketches created from the witness descriptions, police did something unusual. They commissioned forensic artists to carve full-sized clay busts of the suspects. You can still see these bizarre sculptures by doing a cursory Google search. <laughs> Sick freedom, Roy. I mean, okay, so there's... I some... mean, so now I'm starting to think it wasn't Brian. Now they're saying it's two I mean, if men. two dudes approach you, they say, you should get out of here because there's been vandalism. Yeah. I'd be like, what, vandalism of people? Or what? And the fact that he's holding some thing over his mouth when he talks. Yeah. yeah. This kind of weirdness makes me go suspicious. It's like... Um, uh, guess don't drive! But then it's, it's almost like they want to get rid of witnesses, but yeah. then at the same time, they're, they're exposing themselves to witnesses at the same time. Yeah. So I don't know. Maybe Next they're just... Is they'll be also found dead in a cornfield. Maybe they're just dumb. Also, how did Dunkin' Donuts not hear... If something bad happened in... <laughs> You know, you would have oh, thought no. the store next door might have heard something. No gunshots were fired or anything there. They just pointed guns and told them all to get into <coughs> the van, isn't it? Okay. Yeah. Dizzy, I will let you out. Alan, talk. Understandably, the murders rocked the small Indianapolis community. One resident who spoke to a newspaper shortly after the crime said, I wouldn't be surprised if people start moving out of Speedway if people don't stop getting killed here. People just don't want to come into this area. To another local, the police's inability to solve the other crimes from earlier in the year offered little comfort that they would be able to crack the Burger Chef case. They didn't solve the one murder or the bombings. They won't solve this one either. They won't solve this one either! I reckon she's right. I mean, I reckon they won't solve it. (laughs) Um, I mean, people are probably like, yeah, let's move into this area because property is cheap now that there's a bunch of (laughs) them, right? We can fucking buy some We buy it and rent it, and then when the... Get gentrified and all the murderers move. When all the murderers move out, we'll move back in. Uh, okay, let's try. From... That should be on all um, estate agents' lights or pages. <coughs> no murders here. Yeah, yeah. Or all murders here. <laughs> Police desperately appealed to the public for any tips or information related to the case, and they followed any lead, no matter how <laughs> unlikely. <laughs> According to a November 21, 1978 <coughs> newspaper article from the Kokomo Tribune. 
The Speedway investigators met with detectives <laughs> from Oklahoma to see if there was any connection to an unsolved massacre of six people at an Oklahoma City steakhouse in July. Nothing of substance came from the meeting. Okay, so that was I mean, a waste you, of time. You, you get in touch with a, a, a newspaper called the Kokomo Tribune. That makes me think they're not a serious kind of uh, journalism people. Welcome to the Kokomo Tribune. I think the police are fucking grasping at Yeah, they straws. said, excuse me, public, can you do our job for us? <laughs> to help compel witnesses to come forward, the Burger Chef Systems Company posted a $25,000 cash reward for any information leading to an arrest. Another person donated $10,000 anonymously. Ooh. Steak and Shake added several thousand to the reward uh, as well. Thanks, but no Shake. one with any reliable information came forward. Police did get a few hits from those initial composite drawings and play busts. Okay. I think Steak and Shake was the original name for Steak and a Blowjob Day. It was Steak and a Handjob, Steak and Shake, and they upped it to Steak and Blowjob Day. Steak and Suck. Steak and Shake is a great name. Reportedly, a man who resembled one of the sketches was overheard in a Greenwood bar just south of Indianapolis bragging about committing the murders. <laughs> Someone contacted the police, and Detective Virgil Vandergrift went to the bar undercover I to observe the man. He ended up shooting pool with the suspect, and just like the witness had said, shooting the man pool. was bragging loudly about robbing and killing the burger chef workers, according to Vandergrift. The man even snapped his pool cue over his knee to illustrate how he snuffed out one of the young lives that November night. Police arrested the man soon after and brought him in for questioning, but the man denied all involvement once in police custody. What? Investigators administered a polygraph test, and he allegedly passed it. At the time, oh, polygraphs that. were seen as conclusive evidence and not junk science. That's so mad. police let the man go. That's before mad. he left. However, he allegedly gave police the names of a few men involved in a fast food robbery gang. What are you thinking? One or two options. Option one, he just wanted some notoriety, he was bragging about it. Yep. I don't think that's true though. Option two, it's him, yep. he matched the sketch, yep. and he was bragging because he's fucking dumb, and then once he's in police custody, he's like, oh, well, oh, fuck. And if he's that dumb, how do you beat the polygraph test, which is junk science, like they said, but yeah. it has some level of accuracy. Yeah, I think it's this dude. And how does he know a bunch of people who do fast food robberies? You must be... <coughs> to know the identities of people who do fast food robberies, you're involved in something. Yeah, I think it, I think it is a fast if food were, robbery if gang. If you were to ask me... And I think he like, was part of it. Can you give me the names of some fast food robberies? I'm, I'm fucking no shit. This is interesting. Based on this information... Police located a bearded suspect in the nearby town of Franklin. He unnamed in documents released to the public, had a likeness to the composite drawing and didn't have an alibi for the night of the murders. Yeah. What's more, his neighbor was a clean-shaven man with fair hair and a dead ringer for the second composite sketch. Okay. Police asked the bearded man to come in for a lineup, but when he showed up, he had shaved his beard for the first time in five years. Yeah. Suspicious. They tried to offer both suspects plea deals but they refused to talk. Without any hard evidence, police had to drop the inquiry. Yeah. Sounds had, like it is them. All they had, unfortunately, was suspicion, though, and circumstance, <coughs> and I think it looks like, and... But it does sound like, potentially, it's them. Okay. Well, the, it's the same, there's no common sense evidence. There's, I mean, the, the police have got more theories, Joe. All right, then, let's hear it. There's a lot of theories, apparently. Yet another police theory was centered around the belief that one or more of the employees Aliens. may have been dealing drugs. In March 1981, Jane Freed's brother, 
James, was arrested on cocaine yeah, charges, <laughs> and for a brief moment, police thought he might have been the reason, directly or indirectly, mm. behind the violence that night in 1978. Within six days, police let him go due to lack of evidence. The drug theory was further corroborated a few years later when police scored their most promising suspect yet. November 1984, exactly six years after the Burger Chef murders, Speedway investigators received a call from Pendleton Correctional Facility. Donald Wayne Forrester, a 34-year-old sex offender beginning a 95-year sentence for rape, had some information, and not just a tip. He wanted to confess to the Burger Chef murders. Okay. Interesting. This is fucking. This is this 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 I is mean, unra- this is unraveling. He's, he's on a ninety-five sentence, ninety-five year sentence. Adding more to his sentence don't mean shit. Someone could have paid him to cop a plea. Uh, uh, <coughs> someone could have paid him to own up to it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Potentially, there are people who do that. They're career criminals. Look, I'm in jail for life. You want me to admit to this? All right, put a bit of money in my commissary and I'll, I'll do it. Because it makes no difference to them. Okay. Yeah. Police went into the talk with Forrester with a healthy dose of skepticism. Forrester was about to be transferred to the Indiana State Prison in Michigan City, which, as a sex offender, was almost certainly going to be a very bad time. Yeah, he for also him. has a lot of Detectives motives to improve his situation. They were right. That's exactly what he wanted. Yeah. Except the more they talked to him the more they began to realize that his story might not be bogus at all. On November 17, okay. 1978, Donald Forrester was living in Speedway, but he had grown up near the area where the four bodies were discovered. Check. <laughs> check? Alan says check. That means it was true. I mean, I quite like Alan saying check. Don't drive. <laughs> Hold on. Hold on. But does it jive? For detectives who had been grasping at straws for six years, this was compelling enough to bring Forrester to Marion County for direct questioning. Once there, Forrester claimed to be the one who executed Daniel Davis and Ruth Shelton with the .38. Even more compelling, detectives <laughs> drove Forrester to the field where the bodies had been found, and he was able to pinpoint exactly where each body had been originally located. Check. Between 1984 and 1986, Forrester gradually opened up to investigators with more information. He told them that right after the murders, he and his wife drove out to the field so he could pick up the spent .38 shell casings. Once he found them, they drove home, and he flushed them down the toilet of his old house. Forrester's ex-wife confirmed the story. Check. Hmm. I don't know, it's throwing me for a bit of a loop. It is, hasn't it? I mean, those two suspect, uh, <coughs> suspicious people who went, look, get out of here, there's vandalism speaking behind a handkerchief. If they had nothing to do with all of this, what the fuck were they doing? That's incredibly weird. But the same guy, time, this guy knows exactly the locations of the bodies. It's hard to dispute that. Yep. This is getting interesting. Police got a warrant to search the septic tank of the old address. They dug through eight years of raw sewage and oh. found several .38 shell cases. Respect! Check. That's, they found it. Respect to the police. Because they've been doing a shit job so far, but it's like, look, we will wade through eight years of shit to find these shell casings. But furthermore, these two, if they did go out there and shoot them, why do they wait until the next day to get the shell casings? Why not get it then and there where you know where they might be? Fuck. It doesn't really matter. It's just me thinking they're dumb, but okay then. Okay, so now, uh, Forrester, we're going to hear Forrester's um, 
version of events okay. of the November 17, 1978, he's going to say what he think, what he says happens. Okay. Then. Okay. James Freak was indeed in bad with some drug dealers. He owed money to the wrong people. So that Friday night, a group of dealers, including Forrester, went to the burger chef to put pressure on Jane. When they showed up mm. and began threatening to hurt her if her brother didn't come up with the cash, 16-year-old Mark Flemons tried to defend her. Oh, no. His chivalry started a fight, and during the melee, Mark Hello. fell and hit his head. The blow knocked him <laughs> unconscious, and in a moment of panic, the perpetrators believed he was dead. Okay. Thinking they were about to go down for murder, the drug dealers decided then and there to eliminate the witnesses yes. to the crime. Okay. They put all four of the burger chef employees in Jane's car and drove to the middle of town. Then, they dumped Jane's Chevy Vega and hopped into their getaway car. Forrester told police they drove the kids to the woods and executed all of them. He described how each one died in detail. Ooh. This is seeming like the only mystery that we've actually got an answer to. I mean, it's and sad. I mean a real answer, not a yeah, yeah. made-up bullshit answer. Yeah, a real reality answer. There's a proper confession from someone, and it's just a matter of is the confession true or not. But it sounds it very sounds it right plausible. Yeah, it sounds it, and there's a lot of um, evidence. No dead, no witnesses. Yeah, yeah. This confession was damning. Police were sure they had their man. Forrester even offered three other names of men yeah. involved. Check, but. Tragically, in November 1986, someone in the department leaked information about Forrester to the press. He clammed up immediately and recanted his statements. Without his cooperation, they weren't able to locate any more mm-hmm. physical evidence to make a case against him and his accomplices. The most promising lead police had had in years crashed and burned. The case was plunged yet again into the depths of icy coldness, and it would stay cold. Forrester died of cancer while in prison in 2006. Whatever else he knew about the case died with him. This is a goddamn movie. Yeah, I know, so, man. Someone needs to make this into a movie. I know, or a TV Look, so he, fucking series. He clammed up, because yep. uh, he was probably thinking, okay, these people are going to come and kill me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, which I thought, it, that, that, I think, I thought what Alan Warren's going to about to say is he got shanked to death in prison. Yeah, I was thinking that too. But, um, he, got, he just shut his mouth and <laughs> cancer got him instead. Well, something, another thing I've learned. I think it is this Forrester dude, yeah, by the way. Separate from this podcast, just in my personal experience in life, people cannot keep their fucking mouth shut. No, they can't. Even if their life was on the line, they can't keep their mouth shut. Yeah, of course they can't. Same as this dumb, dumb police department. Yeah. Fucking dumb, dumbs. Police still get tips about the Burger <laughs> Chef murders to this day. Really? Investigators have come and gone. Retired detectives still leaf through the 20 plus 3 inch binders of handwritten and typed notes on the case file. Every few years, a new investigator is assigned to the case in hopes that fresh eyes will yield new developments. Most recently, First Sergeant Bill Dalton was promoted to Indianapolis District Investigations Commander, along with a slew of other very important duties like overseeing operations and reviewing case reports. He is also in charge of keeping up with cold cases. In 2018, Sergeant Dalton announced they were looking into using new forensic technology to test evidence in the Burger Chef case. Okay. What evidence? Ain't got no evidence. I mean, I don't know. Let's, let's fucking see if they got anything to fucking say. <laughs> Maybe this is really sceptical of me, but I feel like once the case is like, you know, 50 years old, fuck it. <laughs> is that bad? I'd be like, you must not have anything else going on to think that you can delegate resources, human resources... Manpower to this case. Do you remember that Japanese rule or whatever, where it's like you're you're free, like after a certain amount of time. Yeah, so you can confess to it and nothing <laughs> happened. Like X amount of years ago, I did this, this, yeah, and this, yeah. and this. See ya. Yeah, yeah. 
I mean, they must not have anything pressing going on <laughs> to be able to delegate, you know, workforce I, hours to I, it. I, I don't know. I think it's something that obviously is... Unless someone takes a personal... Maybe the families, uh, you know, can, I imagine, feel very much like they want to know yeah, the truth. Maybe. They want to know what happened to maybe. their family members. Maybe. This announcement came on the heels of a public plea by Ruth Shelton's sister, Teresa Jeffries, for anyone with information about the case to come forward. She was quoted as saying, We don't have all the answers, and there's someone out there that does, she said. I hope that before my time on Earth is gone that I have those answers. Yeah, family. Mm. I can understand that fully. I was just thinking about that, if I put myself in a situation, would I try to do some sort of mental block and just tell myself that I don't need to know the answers. What I know is that my loved one, my family is past and the answer's not going to bring me any joy. Mm. Or would I live in that anguish and be desperate for answers? It's I hard to... <laughs> I think your brain would play on it. I think yeah. we're, humans are designed to problem solve, so we're designed to figure yeah. out what happened and why it happened. I'm a fantastic compartmentalizer, but... You are. I think that is just... Yeah, to not know what happened to your sibling mm. is... Uh, yeah, that would be a very hard thing to swallow. Sergeant Dalton echoed Jeffries in a public statement. Somebody knows. Somebody has carried the secret for 40 years. And it's time to unload that secret. Dalton even released evidence that hadn't been widely publicized before. A picture of the broken blade lodged in Jane Freed's chest the night she died. Ouch. Police hoped the release of this image might jog the memory of someone related to one of the perpetrators. So mm. far, no one has come forward. <laughs> yeah. Hey, I remember that picture. We were scrolling through the photo album and I said, whose dead chest is this with a broken knife in it? How yeah. is that going to work? <laughs> I mean, it's... it's, it's uh... They've got to do what they got to do, I guess. They're, they're trying everything they can. I still think it's the Forrester's guy thing is no, the I biggest agree. thing. I like, agree, it is. His yeah, event, sure. what he said happens, yeah, it I seems agree. to... And also, I, was he really getting anything from it? I don't know. Yeah, he might have been able to secure a deal for himself where he was in, I guess, some sort of secure yeah. prison type place rather than yeah. general population where he would have gotten really Shanked. fucked up. Yeah. 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 So, but it seems plausible. The most agonizing part for families of the victims in unsolved cases is the lack of closure. These recent declarations by police make them seem confident that they will uncover evidence leading to a conclusion. But the likelihood of solving this 40-year-old case is slim, at best. Given the botched initial investigation and the lack of evidence collected from the crime scenes, it seems this case might remain forever unresolved. There you go, Joe. I think it is resolved. We just don't know the names of the other people, people. involved. Yeah. But you're believing Forrester's stories of events? Yeah, I mean, if people came forward at the time, like, drug dealers are often well-known. Mm -hmm. People know them. Yeah. You know... So, I think people, if people, everyone that came forward and put their heads together, they could have probably identified these drug dealers in this very small town mm. um, where most people probably knew each other. This guy owes money to this guy. They probably could have all done it, but they were probably all too scared to come forward, which I understand. I probably wouldn't want to get involved in case I got taken out to the woods and someone broke a knife off in my sternum. But yeah, I think that Forrest dude, I think he was... He was, what he said was plausible and truthful. <laughs> I mean, the fact that they found the shell cases in the yeah, thing, well. the fact that you can find exactly the spot where the bodies were left, for me, that says that, yeah. The septic tank doesn't convince me as much because he could be telling some fantastical true. lie and just happened to have put... He yep. knows he's put shell cases in yep, there. Yep, very true. But location of the bodies, that does it for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's a big one. Yeah. All right, well, that's the fucking burger fucking... 
The Burger Chef mystery. The Burger Chef murders. mystery. Burger Chef murders. I thought I said we'd come back with a big case. This was a big case. It was interesting. It had some turns, some tails, some things. Yeah. We got some suspects. We got some jiving. Yeah. We haven't jived in a while. People, let yeah. us know how you feel about this new format. Alan AI, yeah. or do we need human voice back reading the podcast yeah i realized the time has gone on a bit maybe you don't want to listen to us talk this much <laughs> but maybe you didn't listen to us talk this much because alan did most of the talking maybe you like the longer format of the podcast and think it's better to have a longer format of the podcast maybe you do maybe you want us to split it into two so it's 20 minutes part one 20 minutes part two don't give them ideas you make them work for yourself i'm fucking i'm giving them ideas and then <laughs> Thirdly, the other option is that Joe reads the stories because Richard cannot read right now. <laughs> I don't know which option is preferable. So, I mean... Uh, I, Alan AI or Joe? I'm going with Alan AI at the moment. I think that's probably the best option as well. But yeah, listeners, tell us if you're happy for us to continue the podcast with Alan AI or if if not, it, it, you want Joe to read it, then that's kind of it. Basically, just tweet us at WTF Mysteries, pro Alan or pro Joe. That's it. All right. Uh, get have a hard on, have a wide on, just have it for mysteries. Mm-hmm.